welcome one and all to Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are your lovely baristas for this evening. Grab yourself a drink, sit down, and partake in the lovely conversation we're about to have this evening. For our brew consists of a well-thought-of, well-considered continuation of our series of of topics discussing in relation to youth, uh, the participation in in, uh, adult discourse, and adult discourse in itself. Our topic this evening is a little proposal of a little question I have. When when does one consider themselves as an adult? We all know at the very least that the, uh, the legality of adulthood varies from nation to nation, but the average is around 18 years of age. And that's because for the most part, our studies do indicate that adulthood a human being reaches adulthood at roughly 18 years the mental development takes just about that long before uh, before we reach full no, we, uh, before we reach full but com- before we complete development my, my apologies so at the very least when it comes to political and uh, well not legal and biological components we have at least some sort of factor that something a reference to base upon but that comes to the question is that really the most accurate way for one to uh to judge whether or not they are adults or not is it something that you can subjective uh that can be objectively determined or is that something that we can that's something that's only subjective and if so to what extent because I think we've now can see nowadays just how far that particular uh, path can take a person. We we have situations where there are people who grow past eighteen years of age and lack for a lack for a better wording of it. They are quite childish in their advanced age. I can't help but wonder if that sort of thing has anything to that has any relevance to, I don't know, personal upbringings, because it's kind of difficult for me personally to believe that. A person can still feel like they haven't fully matured when they're like already in their 30s, going into their 40s to some extent. Maybe that's only my personal perspective on things, and perhaps my perspective is a little limiting, but it is an observation nonetheless. But I also can understand the ever increasingly difficult no, difficulties that come with a complicated society like ours. Because let's face it, no society is uh, no no society gets easier as they advance forward. In fact, I think it's fair to say that our society has become the most complicated. It's ever been and it's only going to get more complicated as time goes by so I think if I I can understand to an extent that there might be people who may not feel that they are properly equipped to handle life even when they reach past the age of adolescence. What say you, sir? What do you have to say about this? What are your thoughts? 
Well, with regards to adulthood as a metric, I think if you look at the way things are, at least in the U.S., the, the, the levied responsibilities of adulthood are usually put upon us in, at 18 as, as per the legal setup. The, the, mission, the, the issue I have is that if you look at a lot of the things that you're able to do as an adult at that point, vote, dra- get drafted if you're a male, etc., those things really aren't so much advantages as they are either responsibilities or duties to your country so there's no real distinct advantage presented in that regard as far as like the 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 pal- uh, the, the actual palatable things that you can do as far as other stuff the, the can's been kicked down the road as it were for smoking and for uh, to where drinking is so that both are now at age 21 so the, the the advantages there are, are are pushed forward even further, and many people speculate that the very concept of adulthood should be shifted forward to twenty one just to, just for the sake of argument, because a lot of things have been, you know, sent forward as it were, and it definitely diminishes the the the, the milestone that would be eighteen as far as that's concerned. If you look at a lot of other countries. Things that you were able to do in America, in the U.S. at age 21 are things that can be done at well younger ages in different European countries. So the, 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 the milestones are so varied across the board that it creates this disjointed effect. Now, as far as mentality is concerned, I guess it really depends on the household and the individual who who the, who is being who this concerns overall at least by my observation i've noticed that there is a distinct lack of awareness beyond the normal metrics that you would have for a, an adult of age 18 somebody who has not even reached their 20s yet because of several different factors, most of them, in, at least from what I've seen, is mostly a nurturing de- deficiency. Parents aren't nearly so. as available. Um, parents aren't nearly as available due to work constraints. There's an emotional unavailability. There's just the distinct lack of interest in really taking a taking as much of a hand in raising children to a point where they are able to fully grasp responsibility when they reach the you know legally mandated adulthood as it were it's been a deficit that's been in place for a couple generations at this point at least as far as i've noticed i certainly didn't feel prepared for adulthood when i walked into 18 and never felt like I was given any of the tools necessary to succeed, at least in my personal experience. And many in my age bracket feel the same way. I mean, literally, people people still post in their 20s and 30s about, you know, not wanting to, quote unquote, adult because of the stress it brings upon them. If you were given the, the specific tools necessary those, that would never come up. While it is strenuous to be an adult and make the decisions an adult makes, if you were well prepared enough to do those sort of things, you would not have nearly as much of a headache about it as as it were for that level of responsibility. You would be prepared to do it as a as a natural a natural sacrifice of being an adult. These things aren't being effectively transmitted to the next generations by previous generations who've had said deficits. It creates a it creates a generational domino effect where one generation becomes lacking. This generation following does not feel compelled to either acquire the the techniques necessary to continue forward and ensure that their their progeny have the tools necessary. It's it just causes a this cycle that doesn't seem to really end unless somebody actually goes about ending it on, you know, at at their juncture. 
Okay. Now that's a fair point to uh, that's a fair point to make, but now we current in a society that we live in at the moment, it's become ever increasingly difficult to have a more consistent uh, parental presence at home with the you know with the kids. But it's also become more of a more of a personal choice for those same parents to not be at the home. In, uh, for their kids, um, consider not to try and sound you know sexist at all, but uh, with the with the uh, the ever pr- pr- um, pressing of the uh, the feminist movement back in the sixties, um, more and more parents are working uh, outside the home, which means there is. And many of them do so by choice, and not necessarily due to um, due to uh, financial financial strains. And I do acknowledge that there are families that do work with financial who struggle with the financial strains and must work both parents in order to uh, to be financially stable. But I am speaking, of course, on behalf of the ones that do not need such a thing and still do so anyway. And yet we find those amongst those families who also end up having uh, essentially children ill-prepared for adulthood and end up being end up uh, struggling as well and contributing to the. well, can we call it the status quo at this point? Because there are so this this is such a prevailing a prevailing argument that it's essentially become the norm. Um, I I would say societal norms are the way are the best way to look at it, at least as far as one can measure those sort of things. I sure. I, I completely agree with you that there is a certain willfulness or willful lacking. When it comes to parenting across the board, uh, I've had when when Phil was on and he was t- and we were talking about um, the the need for conflict to uh, to uh, jumpstart innovation. We had gotten into a conversation and talking about the necessity for the nuclear family, and he disputed the fact, stating that there did well, the, the nuclear family family was an outdated, outmoded thought process. Like the, the concept he went with was more of a there needs to be more than one family member, but it doesn't necessarily need to be the mother and father dynamic. I countered this and stated that, well, I mean, if you're talking about LGBTQ stuff where, you know, it's a father and a father and mother and mother, there is the, it, the there is still specific roles being played in that relationship, whether or not those individuals intend for those things to occur there still needs to be a homemaker status, at least in part on both of their parts. The necessity at this point is to have people in specific roles to be able to equip their progeny with some kind of forward momentum where they feel like they are actually functional human beings in the outside world when they inevitably are thrust into it either by trade, by college, or just by working in general. Something that's it does well. I agree with him in part because, in his experiences, he wasn't just raised by his mother or father. He actually had other family members who were taking the lead, at least in in part, in raising him. And while that is a unique experience to him and some other people, because again, a family is di- made of different parts. It doesn't have to be something that's stereotypically nuclear in that regard. And I, and I 100% agree in that aspect. There's still specific roles that need to be fulfilled that are unique to a specific mindset. So those things still need to be in place. And it doesn't have to be a gender role specifically. Agree. Though those, though those defaults are actually quite convenient, at least in, in parts in those particular situations. I agree that so the very least we can understand that it is not the struct it is not the 
the players necessarily that have to conform. It's the structure that needs to be at the very least acknowledged that it is effective because if the, the only diff- the only exception of course is if you're having like I don't know your children taking care of, uh, taking care of each other because I think that's what also complicates things. There is indeed cases where the parent where the parents are un- are either working um, and are unable to uh, take care of their duties so they're, they let their oldest children, essentially become the third parent and take care of the take care of the younger siblings and while that might be while that might be a temporary solution in the long term this ends up being very damaging to all the children because the the eldest who is who has thrusted responsibility upon them at such a young age could be compelled to uh to exhibit more childish and selfish uh, qualities as they get older, while the young, while the youngsters may not be, will be even less prepared because they learned basically, mo- they did most of their learning from the eldest sibling. Which, I mean, if you're going to have a child teach children how to be responsible adults you're likely going to have a pretty poor outcome of it. I agree. And talking of what you were saying to kind of expound on that, I actually had a friend in high school whose eldest sister was his legal guardian because both of their parents had passed on. And the dynamic there was much more strained because she felt as though he was a burden on her life in the fact that she needed that she needed to take care of him but she still felt compelled to actually still go through it instead of letting him fall into the adoption agency process or whatever whatnot because at that point she was already an adult so it was more of a it, it, it was more of an unspoken responsibility on her part or I don't know what ended up happening as far as that was concerned what her what her mindset was with that but he ended up he ended up you know graduating having you know getting married and doing all that so i mean at the very least she fulfilled whatever obligation she felt like she needed to however you know in part or moreover so i'm not sure even if the relationship was strained because of it If I'm if I, if I to if I'm to add my own personal experience to all this, uh, I know personally I did not necessarily feel like an adult at eighteen. Um, I think the one time when, I think the time I actually felt like a true adult was when I had essentially no one to turn to, and I was now responsible for everything that happened in my life that I needed to now, you know, essentially take command of my own life because I've lived with my family even after I was of adult age, but I wasn't exactly prepared for much of anything. And when things essentially collapsed, I didn't feel that much I didn't feel prepared to take on the world either, but it was when I finally did have to take on the world and be a, be a responsible person. I think that was when I started truly feeling like, okay, there's nobody here who can answer for me. I must answer the call myself. I'm going to have to do with what I can do and whatever happens happens. And I think that at the very least, while I've stumbled quite a bit over the years, I am in a much more stable position than I have had that I've ever been. And I will take that as a plus over 
basically what's been in the past. And I think that's, at least on personal part, that's how I feel of being a true adult is someone that who can respond for themselves when even if you even if uh you may even if you don't have anybody who can help now there's nothing wrong with you having people who can stick by you and trust me it's a blessing when you do it's a blessing if you do have people who can help you out when think when you're in a jam but i think it come i think when when it comes down to it being able to respond when no one else can is a true marking of adulthood i think the moment you the moment you attain true independence is when you are finally an adult at least that's in my opinion i think there is a and in regards to your specific story, you had a you had a rite of passage built into your life experience, something that compelled you to be more responsible and to delve further into, you know, what ad- what responsibilities adulthood had had in store for you, and that is what's distinct distinctly lacking in society lately, and it's been a problem. I would say since I would go as far as, you know, back to like the seventies and the sixties because there was never the milestones where, you know, a kid becomes an adult. There's never a transitional period for, for kids anymore because technology and, you know, a great deal of resources have made it so there was no need to do a lot of the uh, age, the, you know, the, the coming of age uh, rituals that were always in place, especially in America, which in most cases, if you look at a lot of the older generations, the, 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 the being compelled to either go into college in part or be part of the war effort or going into the military for most families was the rite of passage for when a kid became an adult not saying that that's something that's necessary anymore but having those rituals in place to create in children a sense of transition from one stage of life into another where they feel you know compelled or at the very least empowered to become the adults that they eventually would become is the deficit that we deal with as an advanced society because there isn't anything like that in place. There's no winnowing that occurs with, you know, uh, let's say other less advanced cultures where there are arduous tasks that kid that that kids have to take in order to become considered an adult in the in the communities that they're a part of it's usually in more tribalistic societies but what you end up having is much more energized much more uh responsible individuals who feel like they've attained a specific set of a specific rank in their life and in the you know tribal community that they're a part of we don't have any of those things in place anymore at least not in a more specific stance for you know the different groups as it were now if you get to more uh religious groups there still has some of those rites of passages in place and they are definitely tied to age but they don't have anywhere near the impact that a lot of the older traditions used to like if you look at the look at the judeo christian uh different paths like for the the catholic and the catholic stuff you have uh the sacraments you have you know baptism communion, penance, confirmation, marriage, those are all rites of passage that are built into the framework of the religion. 
and even Ju- Judaism still has, you know, bar mitzvahs and there's marriage and there's other things that I may or may not know about because I'm not Jewish, but they have their own sets of rites of passage that are built into their traditions and that are that are still carried on in their in their societal structures that allow for kids to feel like they are making shifts into adulthood. And they, most of those people tend to be more tight knit and are more more compelled to transmit responsibility and teach their kids how to be, you know, young adults. Because let's be honest, it's not full adulthood, anyways. Let's not lie to ourselves. Young adulthood is a transitional period between youth and adulthood because you're it's the area at, point, at which point you're going to make the mistakes you're going to make that are going to form you into the adult that you will end up being it's it's implied that that's what's going to occur but there's never any there, there's not enough i don't want to say pomp and circumstance because that's really not it there's no there's no nothing structural in the way that we function if you look at a more atheistic society or at least one that doesn't that that's more tongue in cheek with their religious beliefs. It's something that's just not done anymore. At least as far as that particular thing's concerned, that's the problem with secularism as it is. You discard a great deal of the traditions that are in place to ensure that people are, in part, if not in whole made into more responsible members of society. And most atheist households, or or even to a lesser degree, you know, agnostic households, generally don't observe any of the usual, you know, rights and stuff that would normally be associated with with those other traditions. It's something that's much more, you know, let's just let things happen. It's not really, you know, talk about that other stuff and while graduation from like grade school and you know middle school those can be considered milestones they're not technically the same kind of rites of passage for most kids because it never feel they don't feel the gravity of what's occurring i don't i i would tell you myself that when i graduated high school i didn't feel any different once everything was over with i didn't feel like my future was ahead of me because i never felt prepared for any of it to begin with same here and 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 unless and and again we everyone's experience is different and maybe people had much more ahead of themselves maybe they had better prospects and those are the things that generally make people feel like they're much more prepared for the, for for the next stage. But when presented with situations where there are there's divorce in place and different living arrangements, where having a consistent spread of behaviors and different moral structures and stuff like that. Those things, if they're not in place or at least exercised in part with those alternative living arrangements, then the the child ends up having deficits in much of the, the much of the different places they should be needing to have strengths, and that honestly is is a shame because it's something that's continually occurring, even as we we, we roll into you know we roll past Gen Z. And we move on to the next, the next, you know, letter number combination of generations that are going to be stepping out of high school and stepping into adulthood. It's just something that's that that we're just going to continue having this deficit until we just don't have anybody who ends up being wholly or partially responsible for anything that they do because they've never been compelled to be responsible for things. I personally take responsibility for a lot of the stuff that I do because it's just something that I feel compelled to do. Something I've learned from, from people who have taught me who weren't, you know, exactly my parents, but were, you know, either extended family members, uh, managers, uh, you know, older coworkers, people who were in much more of a mentor capacity to me as I was growing up, especially in my early to mid twenties. I definitely garnered a lot of my adult responsibility 
from those years rather than from my, you know, my high school years, because what I was doing during those times was vastly different than what probably most people were doing. And I wasn't focused on that nearly as much as I was focused on much more esoteric things that wouldn't ever really be something that would help me contribute to the society I was inevitably going to be thrust into. Fair enough. I, I mean, it's hard to really dispute with it. I, I have, uh, I agree with quite a bit with what you said. And uh, I have a, 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 a renewed sound of respect for you for your uh, for your essentially your 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 venturing in your development as an adult. It's a constant thing. Most people don't really understand that. It's funny because there the, there there's a line in a song that talks about you know not not knowing what you what you're going what you want to do with your life and and the different milestones in it. And they talk about how, you know, once you graduate graduate high school, you may not know what you want to do with your life. But some of the most interesting 40-year-olds that that person knew didn't know what to do with their life either. It's a constant struggle knowing what to do with yourself as you are an adult in those contexts. And funny thing is, like graduation in part, depending on when, it, when, when the kid graduates, they aren't fully adults anyways. They're still in 17 in some cases, and they're not even technically adults. They've just graduated high school. And, you know, whenever their birthday ends up being, it's just whenever they actually make that step forward. So it even dis, it's even disjointed in that regard because the milestone isn't even attached to the age that they're supposed to be. There's a bunch of different things that there's a bunch of dissonance that's in place in society that's just never been rectified in any meaningful capacity. And we don't seem to want to rectify it. There's this over, especially in, in my generation, there doesn't seem to be any real press to ensure that, you know, our, our next generation that we produce, if we do, considering the millennial generation is kind of thrown off to the side you know any kind of procreation or at least in part they either see no reason to and i and honestly if i look at them i can't fucking really blame them pardon my french i don't blame them it, it's difficult to blame them when most of them don't feel like adults why would you ever want to have kids if you yourself are not a fully developed human being to be able to do those things children require a great deal of responsibility and in most cases if you're not willing to make that make the the necessary sacrifices to have kids because you don't feel prepared to do so that's not a bad thing that's a smart thought this constant need to thrust people into responsibilities that they're not ready for as it's the, you know the throwing the baby out of the out of the out of the nest so it starts to fly scenario doesn't work when you have to take care of a a a, a minor this is a dependent, someone who is going to look to you for guidance, for love, for nourishment. And if you can't even make those things happen for yourself for whatever reason, either because of selfishness or because of financial issues, it's difficult for me to, you know, whip a lit cigarette at them for not taking responsibility for, for their actions when that's exactly what they're doing. That's why you see a lot of people having kids in later years when they're much more put together and they have their ducks in a row, not realizing that because of the, the, the human shelf life, they've screwed themselves out of viable options for procreation and they end up having to spend more money than they would if they just procreated at an earlier time. The most intelligent people who are, who are usually are in their 30s or 40s and when you start tipping into the 40s and you're trying to have kids, you're well past your prime at that point. It's such a weird duality to look at. And it's while it saddens me because you're kind of you, you, you've expanded out your options 20 fold, but they're just but they're much more narrow than you'd actually ever imagine because of fertility issues. It's something that nobody really wants to think about because you put things on the back burner and your biology does not have the same back burner that you have. 
Well, if we're going with biology here, the reality of the situation is that we all have to deal with relatively the same the same issues as we grow older. Like I mentioned earlier in this uh, in this podcast, uh, there are people who will take that extra shelf life of being, you know, uh, living with parents, as for instance, and essentially they never grow up. They end up being the uh, the compulsive man children, as you as they are sometimes called, and live out their lives that way because their parents simply will not let them will not you know essentially throw them into the curb even when they're past no past the age of uh the age of adulthood and that's something that has that, that can at least be considered if not you know you know be the main focal uh point of this Very true. And that is a problem. When you have parents who refuse to let their children go, whether because they themselves are independently wealthy enough to be able to maintain in part or in whole the kids, you know, a growing adult lifestyle or a, a, a gnawing empty nest syndrome, either because they couldn't have more kids or they just they don't see a reason to push them out in any timely manner when you have that when, when you have that uh disjunction from what's necessary for for society and the expectations that are going to be upon that child you 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 definitely create a long-running problem that you yourself will come to regret and you hear about boomerang kids all the time where they will go out and either, you know, go in part or in whole to school, college, and then they end up coming back or from work, work situations or a trade, and they end up living back at home for whatever reason. Now, accentuating circumstances, if it's something like divorce or some kind of bankruptcy or an injury that forces them home, those are accentuating circumstances. If it's something where the kid just looks at everything and says, it's just easier and much more financially viable for me to just stay home after everything. Maybe it's because the, the, the vocation they've chosen doesn't have an open field for them to go into either in the area where they were in, they were studying or around their original hometown. That's usually the major problem is, is connected to, the, the choice of study that most that kids end up going into. And I think that's a that's part of part of fail, failing of them not making their making their expectations more realistic for what they should be getting into. Most people just don't understand that in if you wanted to spend the first half of your adult life cuz let's be honest, from between 20 and between 20 and 35 is probably your best years for when you're doing things. If you jump into a career and you end up not liking it, there's really nothing stopping you from going back to school and or going into a, into trade school and coming out with another vocation between your 30s and 40s. Nobody is rooted in one thing, and one of the things that my that, that my college teachers had had pressed everyone was to be eclectic in the things that you do. Be eclectic in how you learn, be eclectic in your in your fields of study, because pinning yourself down to one specific expertise only creates headaches for you down the line should the, the should the market shift on you in a way that you're not prepared for. True. True. We have to understand that the world is constantly changing and and sometimes uh, certain professions are going to be phased out with the advancement of technology, and new uh, new professions will be uh, created as a result, and requires uh, requires adaptation. It's a natural process that needs to be given into account when it comes uh, when it comes to uh, thriving in this kind of society. So. 
I agree with you there. I believe that people should uh, should warrant and should warrant trying to uh, develop their skills in more ways than one, and try to and try to learn new skills as things go as time goes on to help improve their uh, their com their their competitive potential. In the job market, I agree. I think, and I think that ends up being something that ends up demoralizing people into a much more sedentary life as an adult. If it were up to me, and looking at the looking at how things are trending, kicking the can down the road and making full making legal adulthood twenty one. I, I, I don't know if that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world just for a couple of different reasons. One, practicality, because insurance companies then have then are compelled to shift their numbers forward and give uh, parents a great deal more cushion for their kids with as far as health insurance coverage is concerned, which is a good thing, especially if kids are in in uh, college and are needing that particular th coverage. Not everybody is going to need it because, you know, general health kids tend to be much more healthier in that regard, but it's always good for, you know, yearly checkups, dental appointments, anything like that. The, the, the basic maintenance stuff, nothing major, but just having the ability to do those kind of things with regards to that, as far as, responsibility is concerned it would create a it would create a bigger window for people to acquire the skills necessary to walk into adulthood now no. again, this is all superficial in that regard but looking at the way things are shaping up and the functionality of people at least it, it whole or in part like Wandering around TikTok is giving me a really interesting perspective on people who are in their early 20s or even in their late teens as far as their mentality and how they're going, they're moving forward. It is a mixed bag and it's kind of a 70-30 split between people who are absolutely, completely unprepared for the, for the adult world versus the 30% that might have their stuff together and potentially on a pathway to a good career, which if you look at that, that's not horrible, but it's still absolutely abhorrent in, 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 fa in facing, you know, our population density as it is. That means that we have not anywhere near enough people who are willing to take up the responsibility necessary to be an adult for whatever for whatever reason that they don't either through circumstance or through choice you mentioned tiktok and i think that's a wonderful example to show that i would disagree with you on uh, raising the legal age to 21 because many of those tiktokers have these videos where they talk about literal life cheats and i'm not talking about the ones where there are methods for people to like you know uh, help them do uh, like simple tasks more efficiently. They're talking to, they talk about numerical codes in which you can just simply either say out loud or type it down on something and they can have their thing, whatever they want happen in real life. They think they can just put in a, a series of numbers like they would in a computer program or a video game and somehow they can make their dreams come true with it. And it's insane. It's like you are clearly not ready for adulthood if you think – if you're promoting this. And you certainly aren't ready if you're amongst the people who believe and try this sort of thing. Now, the other – one point that I did want to make was – uh you mentioned about the vices that some people uh, uh, try to change, like smoking to 21 or whatever. Uh, one of the things that you an adult can't do until they're 25 
even though they're adults, is renting vehicles. So if we are to make if we are to make the idea that 21 should be the legal age of an adult, uh, we could still people could still push that even further to be 25. And what has me what has the what has me thinking is that the reason why these sorts of things um, why we have such an issue today is that we are not. And this might seem weird. We are not putting enough pressure because one of the things that people uh, are when people are compelled to meet a deadline of sorts, they are generally more efficient at their at their tasks because the window of opportunity of success is narrow. Now with when you extend that warrant that window of op, that window of success for too long, no, no or should I say too greatly, it diminishes the quality of input that one uh, that one makes towards that window of success. And that's because there is less pressure for them to accomplish that task. If, for instance, if we want to take it as an example, uh, this podcast has been being written in, is being done roughly two weeks uh, uh, behind schedule. And that's because we don't really have much of a, uh, we don't have much of a requirement just to do the podcast we do it at our leisure but let's say if we had a more uh, a more strict deadline we would be more compelled to get more episodes forward rather than rather than be simply uh you know releasing pop, uh, releasing our episodes at a leisurely rate this is the example may be small but it's only just one, but that's just my opinion, of course. I think I can see your point, and I do agree. It it, it does create a disparity. Moreover, it kicks it, it create it kicks the can down the road for people to actually get on with their existence, at least as far as being adult is concerned. And it creates a like you said, it creates an artificial, a smaller artificial window. Because if, you know, if not 21, then why not 25? Okay, so now you have five years before you're 30, and 30, 35 to 40 is considered middle age. So people aren't even adults until 25, and they only have five years effectively to be an adult before they're in their 30s. Now, if you look at the way that life expectancy is increasing to an extent and decreasing in others, it's understandable to want to kick that can forward if people are going to inevitably live longer. I don't think we're at the technology level necessary for that one because we have yet to completely cure cancer. So the concept, so if once can, if once we've cured cancer, then that means we can take mastery over death and make the, make the inroads into those particular thought, those particular sciences. We can barely even c- contend with, we, we could barely even contend with a, a novel virus. Now, hold on. I, I can't quite agree with that either. And the only reason for that is that we have animals to this day that are immune to cancer and they will die and they have relatively short lifespan. The naked mole rat, for instance, is one of the very few animals on the planet that can live roughly 20 years and they're completely immune to cancer. True, but if you here's something to think about. If you look at the the increased life expectancy over time, let's go back to the found. Let's go back to the founding of the United States back in the back then, and jumping forward into the, into the future where people start to have higher life expectancy in and of itself. We had because of those inroads, we have acquired illnesses that didn't exist prior to us living longer 
or were in a more limited capacity because it wasn't nearly as prevalent. True. You, you think Alzheimer's would exist if people weren't living into their, into their 80s and 90s? Well, there is the saying that goes that the longer you live, the more likely something horrible is going to happen to you because what normally would kill you hasn't happened yet or you've survived it. It's all I'm saying in that regard. It's just that's one of the things. If you look at the blind, naked mole rats, it only lives 20 years. What if you extended out its lifespan artificially beyond that? What what other ailments do you think would it would acquire over time if given a controlled environment? That's my point. I'm flipping it back in that regard because we Alzheimer's and stuff wasn't nearly as prevalent until people started living long enough to acquire those those ailments and that you know and, and the brain plaque and whatever other you know nebulous things that have caused alzheimer's and and onset dementia and all that you look at a lot of the people who have talked about it, it's like you should that you know you live you're born you live you work and you die and thus the cycle continues but what you know we have people who retire at you know, 60, 61, 62, whatever the, whatever age that ends up being, because even that milestone keeps getting shifted further and further out. Yep. That's people true. are, people are, don't, don't even get to enjoy their, their retirement either because of extreme boredom because of terminal illnesses that they might not have actually acquired without actually, without being that old enough to acquire them. Dying in their sleep, which is you know the preferred way we'd all like to go, at least most of us. Yeah, most um, of us. Or some other random thing that have, has occurred because their lifestyle has changed, circumstances have changed. So, like, if you look at, like, if you even, let, let's go back to what I was saying. Look at retirement. At what point does retirement become age seventy? Age 75, age 80. You keep moving these milestones. And, and, the, and, and in, part, in part, I'm telling you, I agree with your statement. Moving the, the goal, continuing to move the goalpost is a terrible idea. And I, 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 will, re, I will partially pull back on, on my idea. But my statement still stands that because they've already made, and by the way, they already did make smoking something you can only do, you can only do after 21. Which that was an dumb. actual that it's dumb as shit because my statement is this. The statement has always been made. If you can, if you're old enough to go and die in a foreign country for dumb reasons, you're old enough to smoke. Not saying anybody should smoke. And honestly, I think it's the dumbest thing you can do with your life, but it's something that you have the option to do with yourself. And when you're an adult, you get to make the decisions that you want to about your existence, however long or short you wish to make it. Definitely is one of those reasons and, you know, for the purposes of whatever small luxury you afford to yourself, it's something that I don't see a reason why you shouldn't be allowed to in the privacy of your own home on your own recognizance do for yourself. If you're around other people, it's a completely other headache. But as far as like in your own particular, you know, personal space bubble, I see no reason why anybody should be denied that, especially when you're old enough to be registered for the draft. If you're if you're old enough to be registered for the draft at 18, uh, they should be handing you a pack of a pack of marbles, even if you never actually smoke them, just to tell you that that's just something you're going to have to do. I agree. I mean, well, except for passing someone uh, a pack of smokes, you should they shouldn't be stopping people at 18 years old from buying a pack of cigarettes. If that's what they want to do, they're illegal adults now. They should be able to do so. If they want to buy a beer, that should be what they should be allowed to do so. They're at the legal age. I've never agreed with the idea that you need to be 21 to buy alcohol, but you're a legal adult at 18. The, the, the logic behind it makes no sense. I get it. Governments don't want you to partake in vices that harm that, that can per, that can personally harm yourself. Fine, until until you decide to ban the whole thing outright. Which, by the way, we have tried with prohibition and that failed spectacularly. You are. It's kind of ridiculous. The restriction, at the very least, is understandable. 
don't allow the minors to do it. Fine, that's great. They're not of legal age. No, no, they're not. They're not adults. We, at the very least, should keep um, do our best to keep um, to look after the to look after the minors to the best of our ability. But once they're adults, they should be given the freedom to choose what they no, choose what um, what they'd like to consume. And if they suffer the consequences for it, that is their choice to do so, especially when you've decided, at least for half the population, that they need to sign up for your military in the future event that it requires them to be forced into war. True enough. Now, I know we have deviated slightly away from the topic at hand, but there are many factors that can get a person either through objective or subjective var variables to what constitutes an adult. But that's adulthood in general. It is a very complicated topic and one that even experts might not always have the answer to. Not saying that I'm calling myself an expert, but I'm saying experts in general. I think if you look at going back to what we were what we were talking about, if you look at what the the rationale behind behind moving uh, smoking to where drinking is, the the full development for human beings tends to be at age twenty one, being the final branch of it. Depending on your biology, depending on your biology, so in in their rationale is is that anything after twenty one, you're already fully developed physical being, so do whatever you want at that point. So I can at least get behind that because there's actual medical research behind that that, that decision when they make it. As far as it, as like looking at it from a societal standpoint, though, I'm very much on the uh, in, in the same camp as you. So it's kind of like I said, it's a 50 50 split. If we, if we if we if we were in our if we were 18 or 19 and we were being drafted into the into the military and, you know, we couldn't, you know, relieve stress by, you know, you know, lighting up in any meaningful capacity you know, while we're on the battlefield, you know, defending ourselves from whatever, I feel like that would be a disservice in and of itself. But who knows? I w at that point, I'd love to have a conversation with somebody about how that would, how they would, how they would personally think that would affect. Uh, That's actually a fair point. Rap. I feel like if I was ever in the military and being forced in the middle of battle that I might pick up smoking uh, just to help release myself. But if I was but if I was too young because I'm 18 years old, you telling me I can light a grenade, but I can't light up a cigarette? Are you out of your minds? Yeah. It it it's it create it creates a, a dissonance for people, and especially in such such situations. And it, having somebody with military experience would be kind of interesting to talk with them about that kind of stuff, just to get their perspective on it, because the, you know it's the, their perspective on it would be very unique to the situation. The paradox of legality, man. Yeah, it's definitely a paradox. <sighs> I think we've, I think we've kind of rounded everything out nicely in this conversation. I agree wholeheartedly. For those who have stuck by listening to our entire conversation, thank you so much for joining us for another round at the Tiki Bar, and tune in for next week when we have a brand new topic to discuss. We hope this trilogy finds uh, compelling insight and uh, leaves you uh, wanting for more. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us, uh, I have personally a account on Twitter under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have 
a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. If you would like to uh, check that out for updates on when we have our sessions. We also have our voicemail link in the show notes. We will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward, as long as there are voicemails to be, re- to be listened to. Um, any further inquiries on that, uh, do feel free to PM either of us on Twitter, or you can go through the actual Facebook page to ask us any queries as well. Thank you so much to all of you. Safe travels to you all. Cast off, friends.